0: when the replay official did not stop I, I'm the I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Tarasale talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job. And I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And So, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sunbelt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. we got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition.
1: Talk about the reception you received from the fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies
0: at the tarmac when you got the the plane? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was, like, it was like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming.
2: We're
3: coming. And we ain't backing down.
0: You're out of control. Everybody just do your
3: job. You understand
2: that? Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined this episode by my cousin Joe. What you up to, you big Tennessee homer?
3: Hi, buddy.
2: I'm doing pretty good, man. Just
3: hanging out here doing a little bit of work and chatting with you. What are you doing, buddy?
2: Hey, not much. I'm waiting for this. Uh, We got potentially some big breaking news. Hoping it happens during the show. That'd be kind of cool. But, hey, we actually got a little bit of SEC football to talk about. We got some exciting stuff. You ready to uh, go around the league? Let's do it.
3: Now let's go around the league. league.
0: My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, (laughs)
3: I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West.
0: Why why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you!
2: All right. First thing off uh, off the top of the docket here, but you know this is not necessarily SEC specific, but it is important to the SEC. Just wanted to make this note because on Wednesday morning, the NCAA, you know, they've not made this official quite yet, but they have taken steps to make players uh, available to profit off their name, image, and likeness. And that, if it passes, which is expected to pass, is going to start in July of 2021. So, like I said, it's not going to affect anyone in the SEC necessarily immediately, but here in about a year, it could. And just the simplest way to explain this: the schools are not going to be straight paying the players, but if a you know any kind of local or national brand like a McDonald's or a Tuscaloosa. Toyota dealership what have you whatever you (laughs) any kind of even a booster potentially can pay these players Uh, so what's your thoughts on all that I mean there's a lot of concern that it's going to open up the floodgates I personally I don't think you know I'm sure there's going to be money being spent in the SEC but you're pretty naive if you don't think that's already happening and I would appreciate the fact that uh, we just actually know you know who's getting paid and, and what they're getting paid and all that.
3: Yeah, I know. I mean, you got coaches. Coaches are doing it, like Coach O and his Hummer's, like, oh, let's get a Hummer, <laughs> You know, so if he's able to do it, why can't the kids? You know, it's like I don't know. They're the ones that are doing all the work. But it, you look at places like what was it, Missouri? I think that was one of the universities that was doing what I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, they were bringing in influencers and stuff to help players beef up their Instagram and Twitter accounts and make it more like you know, getting more followers and stuff like that because that's a really good source for revenue there nowadays it seems like so i mean yeah this is gonna be pretty interesting it's gonna change things up for sure it's really gonna piss off old Dabo sweeney too
2: <laughs> i'm okay with that <laughs> yeah for those of that do not remember Dabo said he would quit coaching if this comes into a i mean he didn't say this, this was- like. so <laughs> dabbo get sweeney. On out of here <laughs> How weird would it be if damn Dabo followed Trevor Lawrence to the NFL? I mean, I don't know if Dabo's even, you know, an NFL candidate, but hell, that may be what we're looking at here. This might be the final run for old Dabo.
3: I know. He better bring a brush for that hair. (laughs) (laughs) Them golden locks. What do you think? You think he's got like four more years of that hair? Or do you think he's gonna be more like Hulk Hogan? It's just like keeps growing, but just on the sides. <laughs> oh knowing
2: that guy, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna hold on for as long as he gets he's gonna be looking like Paul Feinbaum before you know it. Oh, so excited. All right, well, jumping back into the SEC.
0: You, miss. I've
2: had some really good comments here from Elaine Kiffin during a recent appearance on the Colin Cowherd radio show. I really you know, I liked some of these comments, so let's kick it over to Coach Kiffin, who talked about his sales pitch to recruits at Ole Miss on if and when he ever had fun in Alabama. I thought this was great. And then, you know, there's speculation that the college football season could be moving to the spring. And Lane Kiffin kind of threw this comment out there that I had not heard anyone make, but it's a legitimate one that could help a lot of the team's you know, pegged towards the bottom of the SEC.
0: Well, the SEC is the strongest it's ever been, Um, you know, being in there, you know, at Tennessee and whatever, um, however many years ago that was, it was strong. Um, But I mean, just the draft, I mean, look at the draft and, and, you know, you got to go play, you go play Alabama. They got four offensive players in the first 15 picks of that draft. And I called Sark. I said, I said, your son could have called plays last year with that roster, you know, I mean, geez. So, but to recruit against them, you know, it's, just like when we went to Tennessee, you know, um, you've got to come in and say, OK, hey, we're starting something new. And so do you want to come in at the front of something, you know, probably play a lot more as a freshman than if you go to those programs and start something special versus just coming to something that's already already on top or on the way
3: down. Now, Nick's a little more intense, um, but there had to be some fun in Alabama's program, right?
0: uh yeah like 14 times a year 14 days <laughs> a year <laughs> when we had way better players than everyone else we lined up against that was fun <laughs> yeah that, that is a good and point that's not that's not, that's not a shot on, on coach Saban he'd say the same thing I've seen someone ask him about funny fun what's that you know fun's holding up a trophy handing it to the next person and say all right let's go win another one you know he, that doesn't he, he that the fun part doesn't that just doesn't exist in his mind which is which it works both ways work yeah
3: how many weeks of practice do you need before your first game i guess is my question with the virus how many weeks of practice
0: well selfishly we need a lot because we're a first-year staff you know this has killed first-year staffs because you don't know anything about your players you missed all spring ball with them you know i mean that that's so critical all those meetings all those practices um so the first year programs that this is you know a lot harder. You take an Alabama or something, you know. Well, those players already know the system. They've coached their, those players. It's not that big a deal, you know. It's you know, it's more like the NFL. The NFL doesn't have it. They got you know OTA days that some people don't ever show up for all off season and they're fine. Now they have preseason games, um, but you know, I I, w- I think everybody wants you know at least thirty extra days. You know, an extra month. Obviously, you got August, but have July too. Um, but at the same time, even though this would hurt us as a first year program. If you only get training camp, you only get training camp, you know, it is what it, it would be the same for everyone. So um, you would just manage how you practice better, you know, and you just, you know, start with shorter practices and, and you know, build up. So as long as it's the same for everybody, you know, I think we all want to play this thing on time. And this discussion I read this morning about, you know, in the spring, I mean, that, that might be good for us because Alabama, LSU, all, all those first rounders that you see pick, they don't play. If you're a first-rounder, are you really going to play a season of football right before the NFL draft? I don't think
2: so. Yeah. All right, so a lot there from Coach Kiffin. I think he's got, obviously, a lot to sell to recruits, but he kind of made his pitch there, so that was interesting. But what about his thoughts there on, you know, if they do move college football to the spring, which, of course, has not been finalized or anything. It's just something that people are saying could happen. And I think he makes a great point that, hell, if you're a lock to be the first-round you know, pick – Maybe like a Trevor Lawrence, he specifically referenced guys on Alabama's roster. What are your thoughts on, uh, you know, they may sit out the season because, hell, they'd only be a couple months away from getting drafted.
3: Yeah, that's something I didn't think about, as well as uh, my expectations for year one coaches has gone down slightly too because they didn't have all the spring and then they didn't have like that whole off time to like, okay, this is what we can do with these guys, this guys, and then come back in for – training camp before the season starts and have all that stuff plug and play ready, you know. So there's so much further behind them where they will be or should have been if the season just went as planned. But the NFL draft and outstanding players like that. I don't know. I mean, yeah, that could really impact an Alabama, or a Clemson, even Georgia, you know, if mm-hmm. that's the route it goes. So my my expectations of them are even slightly down. So those universities, that are like good, but not like to that level, like Texas A&M, they're like a young team. That's where I'd move them up a little bit more, you know?
2: Yeah, and think about it from this avenue too. You know, if they play in the spring, you know, obviously the coaching carousel and all that, that happens December, early December, January, and into February sometimes. So what is going to happen if – you know, all of a sudden, right before the season, there's a. I mean, I can't imagine there's going to be a coaching change, but hell, it may happen. Where I don't know. I mean, everything's going to be thrown up. And, I don't know. I I really hope it doesn't get moved to the spring because it's just going to be a damn headache all the way around. You know
3: what? Yeah, absolutely.
2: There's some other fun things. I like how uh,
3: Lane Kiffin always talks about Tennessee. When he was back in Tennessee, I was like, what about USC for Atlantic, buddy? <laughs> <Like, laughs> well, we talk about some recent information, like recent times. It's always like, like when I was in Tennessee, you know, we, we came in and we did this and that. And it's like, yeah, you did great. And then you went to USC and bombed.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: anyway, I love like him. He makes you laugh so hard. Like some of the tweets
2: and stuff he has. Yeah. Anyway. I was not a fan of that guy when he left Tennessee, but now. I mean, time time has passed. That, those those wounds have healed. I'm a huge Lane Kiffin fan. I hope he does well there at Ole Miss.
3: Oh, I do too. I'm excited to see it.
2: Skipping down next to Baton Rouge.
0: My honor to present the National Championship trophy to coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers.
2: Wanted to hit on this real quick where... Go Tigers. LSU landed a graduate transfer, Lyman from Harvard. And normally you say, well, hell, who cares? You know, it's a guy from Harvard, but... This guy, Liam Shanahan, first team, all Ivy League. He's on all academic team too. So, you you know, if you're at Harvard and you make the all academic team, you know you got to be as one of the smartest damn players in the SEC. He's got one season to play. And with LSU replacing four starters on the offensive line, this could potentially be a plug-and-play type guy. And obviously we've seen LSU have success with Joe Burrow. I know it's a completely different situation, different player, and, different position but LSU you know coming off that national championship there's a lot of questions to be answered there but hell the offensive line may be one of the biggest outside of the quarterback position so it's good to see the Tigers at least if nothing else they're going to get a quality backup and I think there's a real chance this guy starts for the Tigers at some point next season
3: yeah absolutely you can never have too much depth in the trenches you know that and last year I mean they they were amazing but still the offensive line uh, allowed a lot of pressure on Burrow at times.
2: Mm, yeah, I mean, Burrow, his ability to escape and just extend plays was really huge. So we've not seen that from Miles Brennan yet, not saying he can't do it, but he's going to need some help next season.
3: Huge, but his hands are so small. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, next let's skip on down to Texas A&M real quick where Giga just wanted to make this a note where the Aggies landed a four-star defensive end since the last time we spoke. Jazon Harris, number 14 weak side defensive end of the nation. And, you know, we're talking recruiting because there's just not a whole lot going on right now. But uh, the main reason I wanted to bring this up, you know, this is a kid from the Bronx, I believe, New York City. And Jimbo Fisher, despite all the talent in the state of Texas, I mean, the Aggies are still doing well in the state of Texas. But just wanted to really point out the fact that last recruiting class, which was a top 10 class, Fourteen of their 24 signees came from outside the state of Texas, and now two of their four commits from the current class also come from outside the state. So obviously a much smaller sample size, but I think it's noteworthy that Jimbo Fisher. You know, I think a lot of coaches, when you get to you know a Texas A&M, you get handed all that money. You would, some people would think, well, hell, this guy's going to be on cruise control. But the fact that he's so willing to go all across the country for the players that he really wants. And he's beating out some elite Big Ten schools like Ohio State and Penn State for these kids. I think if I'm an Aggie fan, I'm pretty fired up that, you know, he's not ignoring the state. I'm not trying to say that. But I just am very impressed that he's not being – not that I thought he would be lazy, but, I mean, I think this is a sign that, you know, he's he's going anywhere and everywhere it takes to get the best players because that's what it's going to take to win in the SEC.
3: Yeah, it's pretty exciting if you're an Aggie fan to be like, man, seeing the head coach have that capability. Because you know that Pruitt wasn't coming in going like taking me one from Ohio State. You know what I mean? Right. Really, yeah, that, this guy's
2: coming in doing his thing. Now sticking on the recruiting theme, wanted to hit on this too. Let's jump on down to Rocky Top real quick where...
0: Balls are back. Before I will be taking a bite out of everybody we plays at.
2: Last time we spoke, Tennessee was coming off back-to-back commitments in two days. Now they've got three in three days, four-star receiver, Julian Nixon, who is a number 42 receiver in the nation. But I did want to make this note for our Tennessee fans out there. Julian Nixon, when he debuted in the recruiting rankings back in 2018, he was the number nine overall prospect in the nation. He had a torn ACL, I believe it was, last year. So, you know, that's really affected his stock. But if he can bounce back, and, you know, particularly today with medical technologies and this player's being so young, they've got a long time to develop and, and heal up. Uh, you know, Tennessee could have an, a real steal here in Julian Nixon. And now Tennessee's got a top five recruiting class in the nation, number two in the SEC, behind only Florida. And there's speculation they're about to add another five-star. I don't want to ruin that kid's moment, so I'm not going to name him or anything. But Tennessee potentially here in the next couple hours, going to have two of the top players in the nation at their respective positions. That's some exciting news for Tennessee fans. And then on top of that, Tennessee just offered a California receiver, Jeremy Naborn, and why that's important. He's a teammate of the number one player in the nation, Corey Freeman. So Tennessee, it seems like, you know, they're probably thinking some package deal there, but my goodness, Cousin Joe, Tennessee Homer, how excited are you to see all these damn five stars? You know, at least, you know, they're not signed with Tennessee, so it's not official, but it certainly seems like Pruitt is doing everything and everything to upgrade the talent there, and it's even more impressive when, hell, they can't even get these kids on campus due to the coronavirus. I know.
3: I haven't slept in two days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I 15-0. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome seeing it like the defense. Defense is going to be mean, but let's see what happens to JG. (laughs) You know, it's like the biggest question mark in the world. If we could, like, got to get somewhere and someone, we got Bailey coming in. He's going to be awesome. Whispers of JT, not the stout, but. The Daniels, and that'd be pretty cool, too. I always like me a bit of Daniels. It's usually Jack, though, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, I know. It's awesome news for Tennessee.
2: Watch them climb that ladder. All right, so we've... Uh, Better in
3: Chiano, just
2: saying. <laughs> we've waited long enough. Let's get to our interview. I'm really excited to line this up teased it on the previous show. We've got Matt Metcalf, Sportsbook Director, Circa Sports, Las Vegas-based Casino Sportsbook. You guys are probably going to think I'm just kissing this guy's ass during this interview, but I truly am impressed with everything they've done over there. Check out the app. It doesn't cost you anything to, to download. It. It's a free app to download. And just look up some of these photos. Maybe I'll share them on the Reddit page as well for any of our Reddit listeners, but... This Circa Sports Casino looks like it's going to be an insane. They got a three story video board they're putting in. They've got an indoor and outdoor area with a massive screen for bedding and, and all that. So uh, I'm really fired up to visit this place out in Las Vegas, but hopefully sooner rather than later. But let's get to our interview here with Matt Metcalf. All right, so now we're pleased to be joined by Matt Metcalf, sports book Director of Circa Sports. And, you know, you guys are relatively new in terms of, uh, you know, a lot of us gamblers out here in the SEC footprint, but Las Vegas-based. You guys are currently in the Golden Gate Casino, if I'm not mistaken, and you guys are moving into the Circa Resort, building a brand-new state-of-the-art facility, can you kind of just give us some insight into you know everything that's going on at Circa Sports right now, Matt?
1: Yeah, sure. We uh, we opened the doors on June 1st of last year at the Golden Gate Casino. We're doing business at Circa Sports. Uh, we have another property down at the uh, the D, which is on Fremont Street, located two sports books currently operating, and then we have a third book on the way, which is going to be Circa, which is slotted to open December of uh, 2020, and that should be one of the bigger sports books in the world, uh, three story sports book. Um, kind of just like a surround sound type amphitheater um, should be quite a viewing experience though um, so we're excited for that.
2: Yeah and uh, you know doing some research on it the Circa owner Derek Stevens he's installing a, a video board that was made by the same people that built the Mercedes Benz Stadium uh, the 360 LED screens all around so uh, I mean it, it looks like it's going to be a hell of a setup, and. Man, I can't wait to come out there and visit it once, once that opens up. I mean, you guys must be pretty fired up for it.
1: Yeah, we're really excited. You know, we, we've had about a, you know, almost a, a year here to kind of to get, uh, get up and running, to kind of give a slow start to get ready for that big book across the street. So, you know, we, we've done a lot to build our business. Um, we've tried to kind of carve out our niche by offering higher limits and um, really trying to aggressively just be transparent and tell people, you know, here's what we take on everything. And, you know, we're trying to attract the uh, recreational bettors, but also professional bettors. So we're taking on all comers and we're trying to act as a kind of a marketplace. So we want people to know that, you know, if you're looking at the Circus Sports number, that's a number that's been bet into by pretty much anybody who bets. And so it's a really good representation of where a number should be most of the time.
2: Yeah. And along those lines, I mean, you guys have got a sports betting app. It's, it really is outstanding. Uh, I logged on to it here recently, just in the past couple of weeks after you guys Released your Heisman Trophy preseason odds. And this has got to be one of the smoothest gambling apps that I've ever seen. Uh, can you give us the listeners some insight into the Circus Sports betting app?
1: Yeah, you know, we've we've tried to do, um, I appreciate the compliment, first of all. Uh, we tried to kind of do that. We tried to design a really user-friendly experience where, you know, it doesn't take you a lot of clicks to get where you're trying to go and everything's laid out in a very kind of just straightforward manner. So when you, you go into whatever you're looking to bet on, whether it's, you know, the, the, the next week college football line, we put the limit out there, we lay the limit out, um, you know, we, we make it real straightforward. So whether you're looking for Heisman odds or, you know, World Series odds, it's just really easy to find. And the one thing we're trying to do is, you know, in Nevada at least, it's been hard in the past to kind of get down the the bigger – on the, phone, on the mobile phone, and we've we've tried to take bigger amounts that are comparable to what we take over the counter, um, and so that's kind of that's kind of got us a lot of uh, a lot of publicity in terms of just trying to be out there and taking those big bets and uh, being straightforward. Like I said before, putting out a limit sheet so people know exactly what they get. But yeah, we we appreciate uh, any feedback to it and how we can make the experience better. But we're we're trying our hardest right now.
2: Yeah, and I really like the fact that uh, you know if you if I leave my phone idle for you know, whatever, 15 minutes and I come back to it. I try to get back in the app. I do have to do the login once again. So it's very safe and secure because you just never know who's going to stumble on your phone and and get into the app. So it's a very secure app as well. But I I was curious how that all works. And so I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Do I have to be in Vegas to bet on the app or, or how does that work for our audience?
1: So you have to be in the state of Nevada currently to bet on the Circus Sports app um that will change we're trying to expand in different states as of right now we have plans to move into colorado sometime in the next couple months uh, so basically if you were in nevada though and wanted to register you'd have to go to a physical circus Sports location right now on fremont street at either the golden gate of the day um sign up one time and then once you sign up you can deposit from anywhere in the state of nevada via uh an electronic kind of payment system where you can transfer money in and out so it's basically just one trip to the counter and then you're kind of set and good to go you can withdraw and uh, deposit remotely via your bank account so
2: all right and one other question this is a popular question you know i ask the fans what would they want to ask you and this is a popular one uh, being an experienced gambler how does circus sports handle their payouts uh, specifically on the on the app if there, someone goes to nevada and gets to use it
1: so the best bet if you don't live in nevada i would say is to collect your money in person before you leave but if you don't want to do that you can also use that remote funding system that I talked about to draw money uh, remotely. And I need to double-check on this. Out do the move money in and out of your Circus uh, Sports account, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, I don't want to give people false information. We actually just we hooked up this functionality about two weeks ago to allow people to do this, the remote funding, and part of that was due to the, uh, the quarantine and the coronavirus and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that specific. But, um, yeah, if you come in once, you don't have to necessarily be in the casino to uh, withdraw a deposit.
2: All right. So moving to college football specifically, you know, we all we're all familiar with gambling, how it all works. But, you know, I thought you could really provide us some insight in how you personally handle it at Circus Sports on setting the lines. You know, take us through what you have to go through after the games are all finalized on Saturday night. How early do you get into that and and how long before you actually throw out the official odds that people can wager on?
1: Sure. So, the, you know, the process starts about now on a, you know, when you're diving into next season and you're going back through your, however many years of power ratings you have. And so to give a user or to give the, the listeners an idea, um, a power rating is basically a, a raw rating number that you come up with that pretty much, you know, is able to compare one team to another. So you can put whatever you want your power rating. Some guys are running, you know, more model type power rating. Some guys are old school and they go through their, their Phil steel book and they come up with a number. Um, But basically, you know, you pick a team that you consider the best team, you know, uh, let's say that Alabama is your best team. You might set their power rating at, let's say hundred, for example, and then you basically pick what you thought was the second best team. And so let's say you thought the second best team was LSU and you'd establish the rating for Alabama and you said hundred is Alabama. And then let's say you still thought 97 was the rating on LSU. So there's a three-point difference there. So you're basically saying on a neutral site, you'd have Alabama three-point favorite versus LSU. Then you can add in whatever factors you want to add in, whether that's weather, whether that's home field. Um, but that would get you to whatever that number is the, the, you know, when you go to make a at the week of. So the first thing you're doing during the summer is you're reading everything you can read. You want to get anything you can in that number. If you're running a model or a simulation, you know, you're, going to, you're going to plug whatever relevant statistics you think to, to sharpen that number. Um, and then you adjust, and you come into the season with that power rating. Um, after week one, after the games have been played, you're going to go back, and this is probably Saturday night, since the the, the lines come up Sunday mornings. But you're going to go through Saturday night. You're going to start going through box scores. You might be feeding in whatever relevant statistics I mentioned before that you use to make power ratings, you know, into your model, um, and that's going to kick out what your adjusted power rating is for the next week's set of games. So. My, pro- my process is I'm a little more old school. I go through box scores. You know, I'm figuring out yards per play. I'm looking at defensive statistics. I'm looking at turnovers, um, something that you know, somewhat is, is kind of like a misleading thing because sometimes you'll see a box score where you know, one team dominated, but they were benefiting from five turnovers. The other team turned the ball over, and you're saying, okay, they won by 50, but you know, if they played this game again, it wouldn't be a 50-point game. The other team turned the ball over six times. Um, so you're trying to find out anything that's kind of out of the ordinary that led to a misleading final score to kind of get your power rating where you think it should be to kind of say, if they played again next week, what would the spread be? Um, so yeah, once you do that, you know, you're pretty much good to go. I stay up till probably Saturday mornings, like three in the morning, I guess, technically Sunday morning till three in the morning, um, adjusting my ratings. I come in first thing Sunday morning, the NFL games are going and I'm still trying to go through my numbers. Uh, I adjust all my numbers, plug them in, come up with the spreads for next week. And then 11 a.m., uh, circle Sports puts out the first line in the world on college football. Um, and that line is pretty much released to the public in a sense that if you're betting over the counter, you can bet $2,000 on the side, 1000 on the totals. And if you're betting on the app, you can bet 1000 on the side and 500 on the totals. And based on those bets that we get from that point, we adjust the line. And so, you know, we we put a lot of work into it, but in no way do we think we're putting more work into it than the professional bettors. So we really start to respect that money when that money comes from the counter. And that's the beginnings of kind of hammering out number that you're going to see later in the week. Um, As other sports books start to open, you know, they have opinions too. And so the market has a tendency to kind of all converge towards one universal type accepted number. But, you know, you can see a number move six, five, six points from the number we open it to the time you look at it on Monday or Tuesday. So that's, that's, you know, it's not super common, but it happens. I mean, last year we made some really bad numbers where we put up, a, you know, a game that moved eight or nine, so we just missed something. And it, uh, we're, we're human and we're doing all we can do, but the, the betters will tell us when we make a mistake.
2: Yeah, and I do got to give you credit. Just like you said, Matt, I mean, Circa Sports does put these lines out before anyone else, and I'm a guy that, you know, I'm on Twitter for my job particularly during the season on Sunday I'm on all the gambling websites I'm waiting for those first lines and every damn time Circa Sports gets them out first so I got to give you guys credit there that's how you really caught my attention last season it's an outstanding job but you know another thing I wanted to ask you is it harder do you find in college football to kind of get a maybe a grasp on the team's Uh, once the season starts because of the, the the major turnover on the roster because as a college football gambler I always find that you know every season going into the year there's there's a team or two I really like and it seems like sometimes it takes a couple weeks before the people like you that actually know what you're doing kind of catch on is that accurate or or not in your experience
1: yeah I would say that's accurate you know a lot of it is I'm I'm going through and, and not in like a haphazard manner, but I'm going through quickly because I'm trying to get these numbers up on the board and I'm trying to go with my rating. And so I'm, I'm reading into things. I'm remembering history and I'm saying, okay, usually when a team loses three offensive line starters, they're going to drop down, you know, two or three points. I'm just kind of making ballpark assumptions on how I adjust my number. Um, like you said, start to play games. It's obvious what these teams really are. And so you'll see for the first two weeks, three weeks, a month of the season, we're really going to be making some aggressive um, adjustments to our rating because there's guys out there probably like you who do more do more work than us and put in more reading time. And so you, you're you a little ahead of us at that point. So, you know, we're trying to catch up, and we're not going to sit there and move the rating a point or two. We're going to say, okay, we really missed on this one. You know, we had Duke, you know, 75, and it looks like they're they're playing like an 82. So we're we're very uh, – you know, we kind of know what all these teams are. The information is kind of more just – out there and everybody kind of is on the same playing field. So it's rarely you'll see huge adjustments in November, like you would in you know early September.
2: Now, do you hear any negative feedback? Because I got to be honest with you, I, when I just share the lines, you know, I'm not an Osmic, I'm just sharing them. And I just get destroyed by about half the fan bases <laughs> thinking, you know, what in the hell is this line? Uh, do, do you hear any of that? Do you pay attention to it or do you just laugh it off?
1: Attention to the people who come to the counter and bet money. Um, so everybody's got an opinion, but they have to realize when we're putting these numbers up, these numbers are, are made to combat the sharpest bettors in the world. We're, we're not putting out numbers that we aren't prepared to take money on. So, you know, a lot of times we're just going off the ratings and, and other people might be, um, you know, utilizing more of kind of what they just saw. And it can fool you sometimes when you think back to, you know, what you just saw two days ago. Cause like I said, there might be some misleading stuff in the box score that did, you know, didn't really, you know, make that a true a true representation of what that, that game is or what that what that game would look like if they played it again. So, you know, we're looking to that. We're looking to, you know, what side we kind of know the professionals are, are leaning towards. They might they might have a, an inclination to be betting, you know, Ole Miss every every week because they think there's value in that. So we're taking that in consideration. We're saying, Okay, well we don't have Ole Miss High in our number, but you know, every week we hang this number and they always play Ole Miss, so we might be shitting it There's just a myriad of factors that go into this. Um but yeah, like you know, we're going to respect people who put their money up and bet against these lines. And, you know, we're making them, it, it's us first, the professionals, honestly. So, you know, if, if you're a recreational better and you might be good enough to be professional, you might be good enough to win. Um, you know, if you can win 55% of the time, you're probably good enough to be a pro. So, you know, it, it's, it, there is a chance that we make mistakes and we are wrong sometimes. So, you know, they're not always wrong when they complain and say, oh, that's a terrible line, you know, make a mistake, but market hammers out. And, and, you know, you, you can tell by Saturday where the line closes. That's a pretty good representation of what the right number is. So, you know, we kind of compare ourselves to that. We say we opened this game six and it closed seven. Okay, we did a pretty good job there. You know, when we open a game seven and it closes 15, we did a bad job there. So if one of your listeners comes on and says, that's a terrible line, seven, and it closes 15, they were right. We made a terrible line. So, you know, it works both ways.
2: Now, I wanted to ask you about these lines that are just, I mean, they're getting ungodly here. And, I'm you know, I'm just throwing out a game, but something like Alabama versus New Mexico State. Where the lines like sixty or seventy, something insane. Uh, do those games at all make you nervous or, or do you add anything a little extra when you look at, you know, Alabama they got fifty NFL players and New Mexico State's got zero? How difficult is it to pinpoint a number for something like that?
1: Well, it's funny enough, um, you're usually moving that number down from what the power rating tells you because you know, usually in my in my power ratings, you know, I, I usually have Alabama somewhere between one oh five and one hundred nine or something like that. And like a New Mexico State I'd probably have fifties. So when you look at that game, you know, my numbers are kicking out like a raw number of like, um, I, I guess it's like 62 or 63 or something like that. But, you know, once you add in home field, it could be like 66, but there's only so many possessions in a game, no matter how you play it. And you got to look at Alabama's motivation. You know, do they really want to go out there and win by 70 in these games? And I think in, in recent years in college football, the coaches have gotten smarter and they've kind of seen, you know, the benefit of going out there and winning 84 to nothing against the team like New Mexico State, when I can rest my starters and be ready to go for the conference game next week. Um, so you take that into effect. And, and honestly, you know, I find now that I'm shading down my parity number on a game like that, probably like five points. So like, you know, if my raw number is 63, I'd probably be hanging closer to like 57 or something like that, like 56 and a half. It just, it, it never... In, in those big mismatches, it's just not the way it used to be. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a Florida guy. I kind of feel compelled to admit I'm a, I'm a Gator. And oh, I remember back when, you know, when Spurrier was coaching. I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember back when, when Spurrier was coaching, you know, he he wanted to win by 80 in these games. So, you know, you, you'd, back in his day, you probably would hang a, hang a 65 in a game like that. But, you know, I think times are changing. So I think it's a different world, kind of.
2: Yeah, and one of my favorite things to do is bet against Alabama in those games because – if they miss an extra point or they miss a field goal, you almost always cover. And that has happened more times than I can count here in recent years. All right, last thing I got for you. Can you just, you know, as quickly as you want to here, just give us your thoughts on the SEC race in 2020. Uh, who do you think winning it? I've got actually Florida winning the East. So what are your thoughts on the SEC heading into 2020?
1: Yeah, I mean, look at the East, I I really think that Florida still isn't at the level of Georgia. I, I think they're they're coming up and they're they're getting there, but these programs have a have a ways to go. I think in terms, it takes a while to get to the level of Alabama and LSU and Georgia in recruiting, and I think Florida's on their track. I and I really like what Mullen's done, um, but I still think Georgia is just in a class um, to themselves in the East. Um, they, they've struggled to execute a little, and they've gotten spotty quarterback play, but I. You know, I, I think this might be the year that they kind of play to their potential because I, when it comes to talent, I really don't see any difference between them and Alabama, them and and Ohio State. Though I, I really like Ohio State this year, but um, yeah, I think Georgia's kind of underachieved. If anything, obviously they just had such good players, and I think it's just a matter of time to they kind of put it all together. Um, you know, in the West, I you know obviously you think LSU is going to take a huge step back just with losing all the guys they're losing, and Alabama's just been consistent. Um, you know, I I think I still need to kind of see um, what Alabama looks like. Um, you know, coming back with, uh, with the new quarterback, you know, even though he got some play last year, I, I'm not a hundred percent sold, but he's, he's the guy to lead them to a title. Um, but yeah, I think Auburn's going to be solid though. Probably a notch below, uh, Alabama as always. Um, but yeah, I, I'd have to put a, if you put a gun in my head right now, I think it's Alabama Georgia for the SEC title. Um, and I, and I actually like Georgia maybe come out ahead in the, that one this year.
2: Well, there you go. A non Homer take that you truly are an odds maker. <laughs> He's Matt Metcalf, Sports Book Director of Circus Sports. I really do appreciate you joining us here Matt and uh, providing some inside information on what goes on in the casino and I really really do highly recommend to everybody check out this Circus Sports app and uh, I cannot wait for this casino to open up. I mean it looks it looks amazing.
1: Yeah, no, I am really excited. Um... I wanted to touch on one thing. You know, we, we put up the Heisman, as you mentioned, and we currently have 375 guys listed. And if you guys go through that list and you don't see somebody you want on that list, feel free to e- email us at uh, info at com, And we'll we'll be quick to add whoever you want on that list. So when you come out here, you can, you can make a bet on them. Um, but yeah, we're excited for the new casino and can't wait for uh, college football this year.
2: Absolutely. Well, great stuff. And I really appreciate you hopping on. Let us know if you ever need anything from us and we're happy to help you out. Cool. Thanks,
1: Michael. Great talking to you.
2: All right, once again, that's Matt Metcalf. So I really appreciate him of Circa Sports, the sports book director over there. Some really good stuff. And how about that? He's even throwing a bone to our listeners. You know, we can uh, suggest Heisman odds for any player, and he'll put them on the board. Uh, Did you appreciate that interview?
3: Yeah, it was pretty good. I like to put him up against Jimbo and have a words-per-minute contest. (laughs) Those are some fast-talking guys. (laughs) It's sold, Matt Metcalf. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah it was a pretty good interview now take it grain of salt because he is a gator fan mm-hmm. but no i'm kidding it's pretty awesome like i liked hearing like the inner works and like man he must put in a ton of work that last what do you say saturday sunday morning mm-hmm. trying to get all that info in there it's pretty cool i wonder if he would consider shane a professional or amateur gambler
2: <laughs> 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 you know he we could probably hook them up and you know, if he's ever doubting where he should lean on a, you know, a, a line, he should probably call up Shane, and get <laughs> Shane's thoughts. And and just go the. Like, yeah,
3: Shane's like they. Oh, they're gonna win. He's like, all right, we're gonna knock them down five more points. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely gonna lose. <laughs> all right, last thing. Yeah. Oh, I was just saying. I think he. It, it almost sounds like maybe sleeping a little bit on LSU and Texas A and M. Mm. And if you want to make some money, he made it. I mean. Us, us that do video gambling and watch it, the first month is where you're going to make your money because they're still trying to figure out their lines. And it takes them at least, like you said, two to four weeks. So you want to make
2: some money, hit it early. Absolutely. All right. Dude, use the,
3: that the, stimulus check,
2: save it. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing I got before we hop off here, I got us some reviews, buddy. Oh. All right, first one here. Let's go to Austin Valls Professional and Well Done SEC Podcast. Five stars. Perfect podcast for any SEC fan that wants good, educational, honest, and entertaining commentary on SEC football. Austin, we appreciate you. <laughs> All right, last one here from Taylor Rank, five star review, Southern Roots. And check this out. He's in Hong Kong. I hope to God he doesn't got that coronas. <laughs> I just wanted to send you guys a shout and let y'all know how much I appreciate your podcast, the work y'all put in, and the banter and personality that make one hell of a college football podcast. As a former SEC player, hey, how about that? Living in Hong Kong and abroad for a decade, finding good insight and entertaining platform for news of college football is super difficult. So thank you fellas for giving me the down home feel all the way on the other side of the world. Shane is the man, however, haven't heard from him in a while. Where is he, Mike? (laughs) Cousin Joe is cool, but there's only one cousin Shane. (laughs) Oh, story of my life!
3: Always living in that big shadow, huge shadow.
2: (laughs) Shane's out there lurking. We're we're trying to locate him, but uh, from the time being, I talked to him. Yeah. Oh, how's he doing? He's
3: still alive. Still alive. (laughs) That's about all I got for him. (laughs) And these ratings. You know what? They sound like the Tennessee (laughs) 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 recruit. Five star, five star, five star. Just kidding. That's how excited I am. Anyways, I regress.
2: Yeah, so if you want to get a free koozie from us, that's all you got to do. Give us a five star written review on Apple Podcasts. We really do appreciate each and every one of those. And we'll send you out a free koozie, free of charge. That's coming directly from us. It's not coming from any kind of company or anything. So I think that's all we got on this one. Uh, oh one other note need to mention this more but the uh, show music comes courtesy of crimson calamity nashville based band so give those ladies a follow they support the podcast by giving us their music free of charge so we really do appreciate that but i think that's going to do it for this one cousin joe i really do appreciate you hopping on here with me and i really appreciate everyone tuning in we'll catch you on the next one Wash your hands
3: Welcome in to that LSD party. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. You lead it. You lead it. How cool.